Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Well, hi there again. Welcome back. Another show, another week, another Wednesday. Thank you so much for downloading and for pressing play. Got a great show for you. My guest is a a returning favorite of mine, Trinell Mooring, an amazing actress, funny lady, uh, just, just awesome, awesome person. And we watched season five, episode 15, called Crossing the Line, which had an original air date of January 11th, 1984. And it is, for all intents and purposes, the the racism-themed show. Uh, Not too deep or heavy, but uh, it is there. And so since Trinell is my African-American friend, and she has said many times she loves being on the shows that have racial stuff on them, she and I get into some great discussions. We talk about current events, and I'm really, really happy with how it came out. So I'm going to get right to it, guys. Let's face the facts with Trinell Mooring. Ladies and gentlemen, she's back, and this time it's personal. (laughs) Broadcasting all the way from a shed in an abandoned piece of property somewhere near the University of Central Florida, (laughs) it's Trinell Mooring! I'm here in Seminole County, Oviedo, Florida, in my she shed, which I'm doing all my Zoom. Like, every time I do a Zoom, people are like, she's in that shed again. (laughs) Yep. And well, you should be. It's your home away from home, yes. and it's very new. You've uh, like you've uh, um, laid out the saga of this she shed as you've built it up yeah. on your Facebook. It's hilarious and and so inspiring and gorgeous. I will add. Thank you. It's getting a little more messy these days. So, but mm-hmm. now that you're actually using it, yeah, yeah, it just for show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are back after. Do you remember when the last time was that you were here? I do remember. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the. Sh- oh, it was like when Blair found out that her, I don't know, dad or something, just someone real recent that was like in the clan or didn't. Want to- yeah, it yeah. was her grandfather, yeah. Carlton Blair, for whom they were about to name the new Eastland Library. Yes, that episode was season three, episode eleven. Wow. So we are two years on in the life of the show. Oh yeah. But here's the funny thing. You and I are recording this on July 30th. That episode dropped on July 31st of 2019. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's it's almost exactly (laughs) the year year (laughs) to the day, but not really, because that's the drop date versus the record date and all that stuff. Anyhow, it is. It it means something. It means something. It means something. We do not know what it is, but it means something. And, uh, oh, by the way, before we start, something I have to thank you for and a tribute to you. I do not know if I ever used the phrase, read the room, before you were on the show with Molly's Holiday. That was the first episode you did. That was back in January of last year. But you were talking about the fact that Molly was sitting there pouting 
and yeah. everyone is getting ready to leave and pack and Mrs. Garrett is screaming, let's go, let's go. And it's like, do, do you not see that there's a problem that needs to be addressed here? This little redheaded Muppet is sitting here looking so sad. <laughs> and when you came out with Read the Room, it has come back so often. And I say it so much on this show. And I don't think it was one of those phrases that I normally used in life, let alone on the show before you. So it comes up a lot. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I am happy to assist you in building your lexicon. So we have watched season five, episode 15, called Crossing the Line. Oh, what would this one be about, I wonder? Uh, yeah. <laughs> January 11th, 1984. And um, I'm going to, before I even go on, I have to ask Trinell, does that mean something? Crossing the line other than the typical everyday use of, you know, we, we had an agreement and you crossed a line. Is there a, uh, this is an episode, let's, let's do a full spoiler alert. This is yeah. an episode about uh, racism. That's why I'm here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> when I think of racism, I say, Trinell, get over here. Uh, but crossing the line, uh, I have to say more than once since I've watched this episode, I've thought, what does this title mean? And how does this relate to the show? Does it mean, um, forgive me, but is that, a, is that a black thing that I don't know? I, I don't think it's a black thing. If it is, I just don't know. Okay. <laughs> is that yeah. Then it, it makes it even, and I did look it up. I did look up to say, oh, maybe it's a, you know, is, there, is it in the urban dictionary for the kids? <laughs> and no, it was not. So I'm like, it's so weird. I do not know what line is established in this episode. I do not know when it is crossed, nor do I understand who did the crossing. Well, I mean, I, th I would think that it's like the crossing, like the, the racial divide, I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. You wanted I, I a mean, witty name, so. I guess, but it's just, I, I feel like the other thing would be if this were like a, a um, an episode about a picket line, like if there was a yeah, strike, yeah. Yeah. then this could have a good double meaning. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would think, I think it, like bridging the gap, if you want a better cheesy subpar title it's like <laughs> it's like it's one thing that the titles are shitty at least they're applicable at least they have they have been up until now yeah i when I, when you sent i know you sent me the um the link and you said what the name of the title was but i forgot and i was like i wonder if this title is something like guess who's coming to dinner again or <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. It was one that I did want to save for you because uh, we have discussed that you are totally cool uh, yeah. with my use of you as, for lack of better terms, a token. Yes, I'm your black up, and I'm 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 here to. You know, <laughs> and, I'm here to make sure you don't get out of pocket. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> make sure I don't cross the line because yes. as as a white guy, I'm the first to say I am awful, and we are awful. So oh, not all of uh, you. Yeah, we've got a list. We've yeah, a we, list. <laughs> dude. Oh my god, I always suspected. <laughs> yeah, we've been compiling that bad boy for a while. Oh, <laughs> awesome. So let's get to some of the business about this episode before we get into the microscopic dissection that I love to do. 
The episode was directed by Mark W. Travis. Now, this is the only Facts of Life episode that he ever directs. It's a one-off, and he only has a, a smattering of credits. He has like seven directing credits, five acting credits, and that's it. His IMDb page is very sparse. And, and remember, this is one of the episodes, one of the rare episodes not directed by Asad Kalada, which we, we assume he either demanded a vacation after a season and a half without a break, or uh, he went into rehab. Either could very well be possible. And it was written by Andy Borowitz. Uh, he has written before. This is his fourth of five episodes that he writes for the Facts of Life in its history. And, uh, you know, when you want a, a play about race relations, you get a Jewish guy. But he is the Jewish guy who would go on to create the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. So, because I saw his name when his name popped up, I was like, "What is that's that name seems familiar to mm-hmm. me." That was if you watch Fresh Prince, that was I on did. the created by credit. So, um, I don't know is there is there honorary uh, awards within the community? We used to, but they just start. It got out of hand, so mm-hmm. we just had, you know nip it in the butt. Now, just like, yeah. just like, it's like a, maybe you'll get like a a thumbs up from across the room, like. <laughs> You good, but (laughs) no more honorary. (laughs) (laughs) And Andy Borowitz's previous episodes were Gamma Gamma or Bust, Small But Dangerous, and Store Games, three episodes with which I have a lot of issues. (laughs) (laughs) So this is very on brand for him that he is a competent Facts of Life script writer, but wow, we have a lot of notes that we'll be going back in the time machine. Yeah. When it is invented. Yes, I, yeah, I have my little, little notebook here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Well, uh, before we begin, you know the drill, Trinell. I have to ask you, as my guest, if you would please give a short one to two sentence synopsis about the entire episode, similar to what you would see in a TV guide. All right, let me see. In this week's episode of Facts of Life, we find out if love is really blind or colorblind. Oh, damn. Slam dunk right there. Thank you. Beautifully done. Yes. Well, the first thing we must start off with is if you watch the episode online as Trinell did, there mm-hmm. are two minutes and 30 seconds at the beginning that are cut from the show because the version that's on Daily Motion is the syndicated rerun version. So there's... Okay the better part of three minutes missing. And I am such a nerd, I pull it up and play it simultaneously with the DVD. I actually line them up. And then if the episode strays, if anything changes, boom, it's right there and I catch it. And you know, that's stuff I love to obsess over. So yeah, here we go. So the beginning of the full length episode starts mm-hmm. at Edna's Edibles. And it is decked out in beautiful wintertime decorations. Mm-hmm. We've got white tinsel and icicles. It looks like Elsa threw up in the store. And that looks very pretty. It really yeah. does. Uh, we had them decked out for Christmas three weeks ago, which also looked gorgeous in the store. Uh, but then we had nothing for two weeks. And now we're suddenly back, but it's just generic winter. And then it will go away and never to be seen again. Hmm. Huh. 
just point that out. Blair is happily laying out tablecloths. And you notice that there are additional tables set up in this shop. We've talked so many times uh, about what is Edna's Edibles. It's a gourmet food store. I'm yes. using air quotes for that. Yes. But we have used that as an excuse for them to serve homemade bratwurst like they're a butcher, for them to serve baked goods like a bakery. They've served sandwiches like they're a Subway. And this is another one of those things where there's always tables in the shop for people to sit down and eat something, I guess. But we've always kind of been dancing around this restaurant idea as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their kitchen looks like. I mean, how do like when they when people show up, how do they know what they're going to eat? It was Edna Edibles the first kind of pop-up kind of restaurant. I mean, yeah. You know, I I'm I get the sort of delicatessen counter service. Oh, let me go up. I'd like a slice of quiche, please. Yes. You know, are you going to eat that here or go with you? I mean, kind of, you know, like a it's like a coffee shop without the coffee. <laughs> and God knows they had a lot of coffee back at Eastland. Thank God they didn't carry that over. I'd be losing my mind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just that thing of, okay, well, this week, apparently, we are acting more like a restaurant. And the extra tables, at least I think they're extra. It doesn't look like there was ever this many before. But Blair is all cheery and singing to herself. And on the flip side, Joe, not She's happy. Not happy at all all you have to wait on the ones of people <laughs> the unwashed masses or i i don't know joe's gripe and blair does accuse her of being a grinch so it's like okay we are still in the holiday season we're still at least addressing that christmas was two weeks ago yeah. um but joe says uh, I'm all for this winter carnival. It's That's yeah. what the event is that is precipitating all of this activity. But Joe says, I don't see why it means we have to be waiting tables all weekend. Joe is not excited about the concept of having to serve other people. Yeah, I, I just, I really I had a hard time trying to figure out why she just thought it was outlandish and why she was so angry about it. And I assume because I hadn't seen the other lead up um, episodes. I'm like, am I missing something? Why is she so mad about this? Nope. It was just, <laughs> we needed to create uh, opposing viewpoints for Blair and Joe. And it does give them some good jokes back yeah. and forth. But we she, needed... does, she does work there, right? Yeah, they all work there. Yeah. And she lives there. They all live there. Okay. Okay, Joe. Okay, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, I, I don't get this either as far as Joe has at times become like a general manager, like a self-appointed manager of the store and, mm -hmm. and been very good at it. Part of me is kind of like, um, she, should be, she should be the happy one. Yes. Excited that this is a thing that's going to bring in more business and you get more foot traffic uh, and, and that may bring in some more long-term clientele that would you think would be joe's happy place and on the flip side you'd think blair as the rich girl who has never had to wait on another person you'd think this would be blair's negative place to exist exactly and i just i, I didn't get it i was so i was i was immediately lost by that whole story mm -hmm. yes so this is um uh so then and and, and also you're also 
you're not wrong to be lost because everything I've described so far, you haven't even seen that. Oh. We're still getting to the point where your episode began. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, this is the part that's missing. This is why you're, you're like, huh? Um, and, and the thing is, it doesn't explain that much. It just, it, it just signed, it, it justifies where they are, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Still. It still doesn't, even though, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. The missing part didn't help. That's probably why it was cut. <laughs> yeah. So Joe also complains that Tootie and Natalie, for some reason, don't have to be involved with it. Uh, maybe because they're still high school students and they're commuting to and from a boarding school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which never made sense to me. I will say that every week. So the reason why Tootie and Natalie are not able to be a part of this is... Tootie has a visitor. You know, when someone comes up and visits you, you don't have to fulfill any of your obligations. No. Yeah. It's FMLA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Tootie's cousin, Michael, is up for the weekend. And he is there because he's thinking of going to Langley next year. So that means Michael is a senior in high school currently. Yeah. And uh, Natalie is with them, tagging along with some boy named Harvey. Who is Harvey? Is he? We, okay, so we don't know. We never see him before or since. Okay. No. Okay. No. But Mrs. Garrett makes a very funny comment. He's nice in a training wheels sort of way. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this child. Who is he? Why that's, is he with them? Yeah, it's, that's, and that's a little bit of a special needs joke that's just dancing a little close oh. to. Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't Don't get you think? That. Yeah, a little bit. I just, again, it's just baffled that he was there. Like, man, I, I haven't seen this in so long. I don't remember this, I guess, you know, supporting cast of Harvey before. Yeah, it's, you know, you're not wrong. These are all just one-off characters for the purpose of this episode. So then, now we begin the episode that you saw and that it, the world can see at Daily Motion if you do not have the DVDs. And it begins with the point when people are starting to come into the shop and Blair is pulling Joe aside and says, now, Joe, waitressing is a difficult art to master, but I can teach you. Why would Blair know how to? Thank you. And yeah. thankfully, it does come up later, a yeah. little bit later, where Joe says, you know, my mom is a waitress. I know what it involves. And I have this in my notes. Joe's mother is a waitress. They make a big fucking deal out of it. Uh, but anyway, that's just a weird thing. So this is where the episode starts. Uh, and so really all you know at this point is they're, they're waitresses. Ta-da! Yay! Then in comes Tootie and Natalie with their respective dates. Natalie has Harvey with her. And Tootie has Jeff! We haven't seen Jeff since we first met him several weeks ago. Yeah, I vaguely remember Jeff. I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Todd Hallowell, the actor who plays Jeff, mm -hmm. this is the second time we see him. He will make eight total appearances, including the ones down the road when they're full-on engaged and meeting each other's families and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, when we met him before, remember, he was illiterate. That was the episode about illiteracy. That's right. Mm-hmm. So there's no mention made here other than he just seems to be a boy still going to Bates, still in his senior year of high school. Uh, we will be tracking that very closely in future appearances to see if any mention is made of him getting help with his reading and writing. 
Oh, I forgot that he could read and write. Yes. Oh, Isn't that crazy. Yes. And then the fifth wheel to this group, literally the fifth person with these two couples, is Tootie's cousin Michael, played by actor Peter Paros. P A R R O S. Number one, a very attractive young man. That's a tall drink of water right there. Mm hmm. <laughs> and look at his IMDb. He still looks amazing. He is a hot 60-year-old. Ooh, I, I would hit that. I'm going to look him up. C continue yeah. what you're talking. I can do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Peter Paros would go on to do 21 episodes of Knight Rider, and he would really seem to find his, his niche in soap operas. He has multiple episode runs in the soap operas, including, but not limited to, The Young and the Restless, Ooh. Santa Barbara, <gasps> One Life to Live, as the world turns. Oh, like, he, he was good. Oh, oh, I got him. I got, hey, uh, Zaddy. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's, mm -hmm, oh, look he's at hot. He's leaning against a brick wall with his arms folded. <laughs> I tell you, I'll post pictures on the website, but there is a man who has aged like a he fine wine. Damn. aged well. Uh-huh. Okay, back to the, uh, the family yeah, situation. <laughs> After, yeah, me sliding out of my chair here. Um, <laughs> he currently is on a show called The Haves and the Have-Nots. Just Tyler Perry. Right, on the OWN Network. That's yeah. one of those shows. And it is in its seventh season and still going. It's it's still in 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 its run. Yeah. So I really enjoy him on this show. He doesn't have a lot to do. He's not in a lot of it, but he is just so nice and charming. Yes. And uh, perfectly cast. Perfect. And before we continue with the plot, we do need to talk about Harvey, this nerdy kid. <sighs> Who Bless. he looks he looked familiar, like he's been in stuff. Uh-huh. You might recognize him, Trinell, as the oldest of the three kids on Mr. Belvedere. That's where I and the fact that I remember Mr. Belvedere within itself <laughs> is weird, because Yeah. In this case, thank God, I'm too old. I did not watch her have to be dealt with Mr. Belvedere, no. <laughs> I love Mr. Belvedere. After that stint on Mr. Belvedere, he did go on and act, but he has in more recent years been producing and writing and directing. Ah, good for him. Yeah, and his name, I forgot to say, is Rob Stone. And, uh, yeah, it's so weird to see, like, kids and uh, teenagers stuff. He's 57. He's older than I am. And yet he's immortalized as this nerdy teenager with post-nasal nasal drip. drip. And <laughs> I left my inhaler and my retainer and my extra uh, glasses in the I other know. room. And my name is Harvey. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just the, the fact that his name is Harvey. Just, it's um, like his yeah. parents set him up for failure. Like he, there was no way that he could not wind up <laughs> fat. <laughs> But yeah, he is really stereotypically uh, to the point where he has to actually leave because he isn't feeling well. Oh, and, and what happened is that somebody threw a snowball that hit him in the face and he just has not been able to recuperate. Could not cope. Could not cope. Yeah. When they asked to take his order, he says, do you have nose drops? Oh, Harvey. Oh, Harvey. And the spinoff series, Oh, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, 
and honestly, I might add a bless after bless. that. Mm. It's just a bless. <laughs> yeah, there's even a running joke of he is so incapable of understanding and comprehending when people are being humorous. He asks if people would raise their right hand to signal when they're joking versus when they're being serious. This is this is some spectrum behavior. Yeah, Am I correct? I, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll look at facts of life being like, you know, on the cutting edge of just inclusivity in a cast. We care. thought this was the racism episode, Trinell. No, it might this... be early talking about early warning signs that there may be some uh, being on the spectrum, particularly when you cannot pick up on social cues exactly. of other people. That is actually is... kind of um, interesting to be a little serious because, you know, this is something we dealt with when we were growing up. We didn't know anything about those kids. So no. that well, that might be it. Oh, look at that. That could be it. These, this show did was... not. Maybe the show did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> That couldn't be Trinell. How dare you? <laughs> this Facts of Life is aging great. We we are watching trails being blazed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, interestingly, no sooner is he gone, the Jeff turns right around and says, hey, Natalie, you got plans for later? You want to do dinner? <laughs> and Natalie, thankfully, is like, well, I clearly you've watched my date walk out on me, so you know I'm free. And uh, he says, I'm going into the city in the morning. So tonight is kind of my last night in town. And uh, so, yeah, he he jumps right in there to his credit. Yeah, he saw an opening and just he's like a, a guy at the bar, you know, saw the other guy leave. Like, going to get in, get in yeah. there. He got I up mean, in there. Yeah, he, <laughs> but but he does it in a friendly way. Yes. It's not skeevy. We're not that's we don't want people to get the wrong idea. No, no, it's wholesome, wholesome. <laughs> well, the next scene we go. Oh, oh, and the scene ends with um, with a, a joke about you know. Well, let's get to eating, and they all le- r- yell over to Joe, "Oh, waitress, yahoo!" To to just to piss Joe off. About mad about her job, like you literally have one job and that's to take orders and <laughs> yeah come on and, oh. and it's not like it's an extensive menu where you have to make sure the lobster thermidor comes out hot with yes. the steak tartare it's you're getting a goddamn slice of quiche and a fucking croissant and you're yeah. walking it from a, a, a deli case to a table that is maybe at t- at best 20 feet away yes come on <laughs> The next scene, we're in the living room now. This is the house behind the shop. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you caught the geography of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they come in later. And so this is Natalie and uh, Michael coming in from their date. And there's all kinds of really sweet getting to know you banter. Mm. It's a lovely type date type stuff. It's really, really nice. And um, an, a very funny line. It's like one of those, oh, we can we can use a line like this in an episode like this where he talks about his mother being overbearing and never happy. Yeah. And she says, wow, do we have the same mother? And he says, uh, the odds are against it. Yeah, because like, because <laughs> you're white. <laughs> yeah. And I'm black. <laughs> not the fact that we've never met and no the odds yeah. are definitely against <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely uh so it's really nice and yeah. um they they have a nice 
nice time and he leaves and <laughs> Tootie, we realize, has been eavesdropping on the stairs. In a housecoat. Like, what? What fuck was that? In my notes, Trinell, ugly nightgown, comma, bathrobe. Ugly I'm nightgown like, covered by an ugly why bathrobe. Is she in her auntie's or Mrs. Garrett's house coat? We've know. talked about this before, just not dressing a person right for their body type. Yes. Because Kim Fields is so busty. When you put her in something like that, she just looks like this gigantic tube. And I, I think probably they just didn't want to give her like a regular nighty or something because it will accentuate her womanly figure so instead of making her look like uh you know a developing young woman they just dressed her like a 80 year old woman and just try to <laughs> hide it yeah and she's 14 at this point she's you know she's getting to the point where they can start thinking a little bit farther ahead for we do need to dress her like a young lady a girl not yes. like a big child oh my god that house with- I- that house coat i was like triple e cup size but um (laughs) but the thing is um 2d starts prodding natalie for more details of the date and natalie says no i'm not going to tell you and playfully they run upstairs and 2d chases her and that's the end of the scene really it's just Mm -hmm. the sense that the date went well and uh 2d is happy about it yeah i'm I'm, let's let's put a pin in that yeah and 2d is happy about it Okay, next. Um, next, we're back in the shop. Blair is sending people away. We assume this is another another day. I think they tell us. I just can't remember. But she is really happy with her work, still loving being a waitress. But her feet are very tired. And Joe is starting to come around because Joe is realizing that tips are a lot of uh, server's income. And she's doing really well. And the discovery is Blair is not doing as well. So suddenly the dynamic has shifted where it's a win for Joe and a lose for Blair. Which makes absolutely no sense why Joe is getting more tips. She's miserable. It's so true. <laughs> Who would tip that? I mean. She shook him down. She didn't get yeah. tips. <laughs> <laughs> so here's an interesting little thing that happens. Ring, ring, the phone. Up by the front counter in the cash register. It's Michael on the phone. Tootie answers and says he wants to talk to you, Natalie. And Natalie says, "Um, I'll take it in the other room. So Natalie goes into the house, picks up the phone by the by the couch and says, oh, you know, like, okay, I got it. So hang up the extension. Uh, I'm like, what? Wait a second here. Wait. Are you telling me that there is only one phone for both the business and and for their personal use at the house. That does not make any sense does to me. Does not track at all. That, I'm sorry, I, I don't have any examples yet displaying that the numbers are different. I'm not saying this contradicts anything. I'm just saying that the conceit that we have one phone number for these girls to get boyfriend calls to get calls for dates things to do with school and all that that's a phone line shared with a place of business no Mm. mrs garrett should have her own line for edna's edibles and then there should be a house phone that they use for personal stuff she needs to take a business seminar or something (laughs) just it's it's almost like it's it's like her son just bought a building and threw it at her and said here you're a businesswoman now oh 
because that's what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, she had a child. <laughs> she what? I forgot she had a kid. I mean, is that how it? Two, two sons. Yep. 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 Forgot about them because mm-hmm. she's locked in on these girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are the daughters she never had. It's like, careful what you wish for, lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're never leaving. <laughs> yes. So then we go into the. Um, we're, we're fast approaching the end of the act here already. Yeah. And we go into the living room and Natalie is on the phone with Michael saying this weekend, you're asking me to come to New York and visit you. Well, and she says, where would I stay? Oh yeah. My parents do live in New York. (laughs) It's true. Very true. It's like, yeah, you'd stay at your parents' house, honey. Um, but then she kind of gives some clearly made-up lame, eh, this weekend's not good, maybe another time. Uh, 2D and I have a lot of plans. Which doesn't make any sense to lie like that, because 2D is literally right there. <laughs> Hovering. <laughs> and as soon as she hangs up the phone, 2D's like, what the fuck? You don't have anything going on this weekend. And uh, Natalie's and- like, well, I do, and I got this. And 2D's like, mm-hmm. Exactly. And she's like, and I got this other thing going on. And she's like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so suddenly these mm-hmmms start taking on a little bit of different meaning for Natalie. And then Natalie quickly turns and says, whoa, it has nothing to do with that. Exactly. Is the wording she uses. I know what you're thinking and I'm insulted. I'm going to call him and I'm going to tell him that I'm going to go. So there. And I might even buy a new dress. So ha. Huh. And she dials the phone, and we go to commercial. Uh, There were movies in the 1950s, Trinell, where they had to allude to homosexuality or uh, sex work or something like that. And they've danced around it by saying, oh, it's not that. It's not what you're thinking. What we hope the audience is also thinking, it's this other thing. But I can't say what that first thing is because it's you don't say it. Yeah. So it is kind of weird that this show, which is going to continue to develop into a show about racism, that it is weird that there isn't a sense of Natalie saying, what, Tootie, you don't think I'm saying no to him because he's black. Like, I I don't think that would have been out of line at all for Mm. her to say that. No, I don't think so, but it would have made the episode a whole lot shorter. I think, uh, <laughs> I think, because I have this similar thought, like, why would they just tiptoe and tap dance around it? And I think it was for the audience to think, well, we think it's this reason, but maybe, maybe it's not. But we know yeah. it is. And like, are they going to, are they going to ever come uh, to head, to head. I think the the climax is, it was written like that, so the climax is actually saying it out loud. Yeah, maybe they said, because when they go to commercial, if nothing else, the audience is going to be like, what is she talking about? Yes. Maybe yes. I, need to, I need to sit through the Preparation H commercials and figure it out. <laughs> yes, David, it's called suspense. <laughs> I, wow. Well, you certainly suspended something here, Mr. Writerman. <laughs> While I have you, I we're at the we're, we're at commercial break now mm-hmm. and we've discussed you personally and your life and your career and all that when you've been on the show before but uh I figure while I have you it probably would be a good opportunity to ask you regarding 
all the recent uprising, uproar, the whole Black Lives Matter, I, I don't want to say movement, I should say resurgence, re, refocusing, yeah. and all that. Um, I'm just wondering, how are you in all of this? I am fine, because the interesting thing about um, the Black Lives Matter um, is not new to me. This is something that I have dealt with my entire life. It's just people are paying more attention now. We have, I guess, more proof. So on one hand, I wish we were further along as a nation. On the other hand, I'm not surprised, but I'm happy that more white people are getting involved. I'm, I, I have been like kind of screaming this stuff in different ways for like, I feel like my entire life. And sometimes your voice gets hoarse. So mm. it's kind of good to have someone else do the heavy lifting and like, because if you look at it, it's not really, you know, the black people problem. It's not a black people problem. No. It's <laughs> a white people problem. It's, exactly. It's, or the yeah. non-black, it's, it's, it's the majority problem. It's the, the holders of the powers problem. Like I can't, I can't fix, quote unquote, you. You got y'all got to figure out what's going on. Yeah, we, we got to fix ourselves. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yet, so many people like the the whole all lives matter thing is like <sighs> when it's like, you know, that is when people say all lives matter. That is just tantamount to saying, um, whatever. I cannot perceive black people as special. Yes. In any way, positive, negative, whatever. Yes, you I just, can't. <laughs> I can't single those people out. Yeah. And, uh, ugh. The, and the it's... all life matter things makes me so upset because, I, okay, if someone says, but all lives matter, and you explain to them why that's not cool, and they still fight you on it, they have ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It's not coming from a pure place because I... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I found there's a, of the many, many memes that went in there, um, and shit, I was going to find it, but um, it's the one that basically says, after the bombing of the Boston Marathon, it was Boston Strong. That's what we all did to support yeah. that community in light of that tragedy. It was Boston Strong. It wasn't other people saying, well, other cities are strong too. Yeah. Why aren't we, you know, all cities matter. And it's like, no, that's just what we're casting the spotlight on right now. Yeah. That doesn't mean the other things don't exist and that they don't have any light on them whatsoever. It just means the focused light is on this thing. Yeah, another meme I saw, and it's not the entire meme, and I'm probably going to get it a little bit wrong, is like, well, we say Black Lives Matter because uh, when it was written that all men are created equal, it didn't take. <laughs> so <laughs> so we had to... <laughs> yeah. In the 70s, George Carlin, in his stand-up, would get a slow wave of applause when he would say, our country was founded by slave owners who wanted to be free. Mm. And you hear the ha 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 ha. Oh, wow. He's re and then that slowly, if you hear it on whatever album that's yeah. on, it's, it's a slow boil, but it does bubble over where people go, fuck, this is the truth. Yeah. I, just, I think some people are just, I don't, they're uncomfortable with change. Like they don't want to be like outwardly racist, but mm. to yeah. admit that our country is a country founded upon like discrimination and racism, that kind of almost bursts the bubble of the American dream where everybody has the same opportunities. And yeah. it's just not true. And it's like kind of, 
it's like when we found out that I don't even know where we are now. Pluto is a planet. It isn't like the oh. first time they told us <laughs> yes. that Pluto wasn't a planet. I'm like, now you have the proof, <laughs> but now it's still a planet. And I yeah, like I, I fought it. And I think it's like that kind of same like, no, can't. Mm-hmm. And besides, if things change and my life is fairly decent now, if it changes, what if my life gets worse? Like with sharing mm-hmm. equality, may, you know, I might not benefit from yeah, another meme that goes around says something like, you realize sharing equality, you know, giving equality to people who don't have it doesn't mean you have less. Yeah, doesn't yeah. mean it's it's like it's not pie. There's yeah. enough for everybody. <laughs> I like, it's like they're, they're afraid that we're like, OK, now it's your turn to pick the cotton. I mean, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I think they're afraid of retaliation of some sort. I don't know. Uh. That's it. I thought of I thought of a sketch idea. I thought, wouldn't it be a funny sketch idea nowadays uh, to have um, a director of a movie about Charlie Manson, where the extra casting agent fucked up and has some people of color among Charlie's family. Uh-huh. One of Charlie's big tenets was, oh, the black people are going to rise up and take over and we need to stop it. It's a race war. That was one of his things. So it's like to have to be the director saying, Okay, <laughs> actors, you know, like you, Trinell, I know you were cast to be one of the people here at the compound, but I can't use you and I have to let you go. So in essence, I'm firing you because you're black. But not, <laughs> not what you think, though. Yeah, it's, but it's not what you think. It's not what you think. I always thought that would be a fascinating dynamic where, um, anyway. And I would um, be like, do I still get paid for the day? Yeah, we'll pay. We'll pay. We're done. Then we're done. Yeah, (laughs) we're good here. Yeah, I have said nothing about this, and every podcast I listen to, every one of them, had to weigh in on it. And let let's get real here. All the podcasts I listen to are white people Mm -hmm. talking, and all of them felt the need to weigh in. And I mean, I put up a couple of things in social media, but. Back to that, the, um, the thoughts and prayers thing, how that becomes a what yeah. about me that I can't imagine. I, I, I feel it so you it felt it felt so gross for yeah. me to say yeah. I, I, David, as basically a white man of privilege, feel I need to say a few things about this situation. I'm becoming a pissy homosexual in the process. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, you know, listen, did, did you not see Bowling for Columbine? Did you not see when Marilyn Manson sitting there in his makeup dressed like the fucking freak he is? And Michael Moore says, what would you say to those kids if you were in the room with them now? And he says, I wouldn't say anything. I would listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, sometimes it gets to the point where the allies are talking a little louder than like. Yeah. And that's, like, don't Columbus the situation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just weird. And I my thought is, of all people, mine is not a voice that needs to be one more in the camp of, I need to say this. I believe institutionalized racism is bad and yeah. wrong. Yeah it, yeah, it is such a fine line because you do want to show support. And, mm-hmm. I, 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 and I don't know what the line is because sometimes I've been reading things and I'm like, this is... This is too much, y'all. This is y'all. <laughs> you're yeah. doing too much. Just yeah. c- call your family out on Thanksgiving when they say something stupid. <laughs> yeah, at the very least, just just say, "Whoa, not cool. Come yeah. on." It's yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and just, yeah, the other thing is there was an episode of Donahue in the 80s, uh-huh. and it was about racism, and I think it was some like some white woman who was part of a civil rights group or something, uh-huh. and she had previously, she admitted that previously she was a rampant active racist oh wow like she had a change of whatever and phil donahue said so since you're not a racist anymore and she went phil i'm gonna stop you right there and she went i am a racist yeah we are all racists my job is to realize that about myself to understand it and do everything by god that i'm able to do to try and change the way i think and and it was you know a huge this is in the 80s yeah and and I kind of have to agree with her. I'm I'm more inclined to say I am a racist. Yeah. We all are. We all have a fear of the other, and it's just a matter of the, the the biggest solution, the basic solution we can all do. And now here I am, the white guy weighing in on it anyway. Tell me what we should do. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's to know how you people can fix your problem. Thank you. <laughs> but. But no, it's the the white people. It's everybody. Just needs to at least acknowledge. That, you know, pre- not even racial prejudice, all prejudices, yes. that we all have prejudices and we can just even for a few seconds every now and then re-examine them and say, where is that coming from and how useful is that? Yeah, I mean, like, I hate and I've hated it for years. This, and this saying that I don't see color being very, very, very annoying. <gasps> that's not new. We've been annoyed with that for like decades because uh-huh. my and I've probably posted this so many times the same uh, mentality of like it's i don't like i don't see color because that's for you that's saying like in order for you to see me as a human being or equal you have to completely erase the fact that i am black that's the only yeah. way you can do it instead it's, yeah. it's, it's not it's not that you see color it's what you think when you see it so oh. so please see me. I've seen you when you've posted that. And I feel like, didn't you actually say the words, see me and my color? Yeah. I or just, so like the idea is my color is a part of who I am. Yeah, Why my, would you say you don't see that? Yeah, this is my whole identity. And plus, you're lying. You are yeah, lying. That's right. That's just, it's so true. Yes. You are lying. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for talking to me about that. This is stuff that we don't talk about. Yeah. And, um, but it's just, like I said, final word about it is I, I'll, I'll go on record saying everyone in the world, everyone I meet, everyone listening to this podcast, you are a racist and that's okay if you acknowledge it and maybe give it some thought about what you might do to fix it. Yeah. Except the fact that you have some biases with people and just, Mm -hmm. just try to be better. Just be, be best. The best. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to gargle with Clorox. I can't believe Oh. So to uh. recap, the answer to our racial injustice and institutionalized racism, according to Trinell Mooring, <laughs> is the theory espoused by our first lady, Melania Trump. <laughs> Ooh, it feels gross saying that I, name. Uh. And honestly, to me, the good that comes from everything, there's always good that comes with the bad. We got more Laura Benanti on The Daily Show. Well, you know, of course. Um, The Late Show. You take the good, you take the bad, (gasps) you take them both, 
And there you have, we're back with the facts of life. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. Yes, indeed. A perfect segue. That is what you get when you are a guest three times on this show. So then we come back from commercial. There is a little cut portion uh, at the beginning of the act where Natalie is moving some sort of a desk to I guess they're rearranging the store post winter festival. Yeah. And there is this mechanically business like uh Tootie, will you help me move this desk? And then there's kind of a yes, fine. And they do them, thank you. You're welcome. And walking away. They're being um uh overly polite and business like with yes. each other. And the other girls do talk about that in the time that has passed. I don't know how long this could be because I think the weekend still hasn't happened yet. But they talk about how there's a question if they're speaking to each other. They're being very curt. And uh, Blair and Joe are like, we can't take it any longer. And uh, Mrs. Garrett comes in saying Natalie bit her head off when she went to ask her. Yeah. (laughs) And... um, so Joe comes up with the solution that Natalie can't go out with the cousin <sighs> and says, Mrs. Garrett needs to tell her. And she's like, Mrs. Garrett's like, this is none of my business. And so Blair, taking the opposing viewpoint, is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why wouldn't, shouldn't she go into New York and spend the weekend with a boy that she likes? So now Joe gets into her street smarts. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> that line. <laughs> Joe says, same thing. It's not that. Mm. There are good reasons. But then she stammers and says she can't say it. Who yeah. says that? Is that Blair? No. Well, they do the thing where they kind of like, it's not, you know, I don't think, but it is. And I, uh, it's just like this, like, it's not me. It's them. And I'm just trying yeah. to help. And. Yeah. And, and Joe particularly is. For at least at the at the very least, Joe is one of the few who's at least addressing it yes. directly. Yes. Where she says, "Look, I don't have a problem with it, <laughs> yeah. danger," but she says there are narrow-minded jerks out there who do care. And where I come from, this is the Bronx. Yeah. Black and white couples end up black and blue. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, so finally, someone says it, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, and that's no, that's that's pretty straight out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, let's let's pause a moment because why are Tootie and Natalie mad at each other? <gasps> What's going on? I mean, am I right that there's there was a conflict here, but there's not a I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. It's like a sitcom trope of, well, I'll apologize. I'm not going to apologize until she apologizes. Well, she's not going to apologize to me. I'm not sure what. Well, when I saw it, I I assumed that um, Natalie was offended that Tootie thought she was a racist. And Nat- uh, Tootie is mad because it felt like she's using her cousin. That's the first thing. Like, oh, you're you're using my cousin to make a statement to make a statement you're not a racist yeah Yeah. that's that's why i figured they were mad at each other but it's still it's and you're not wrong honestly now that you say it that way i'm like okay that that you you did justify it i wish it might have been a little more explicitly stated yeah i mean natalie did say i'm offended but i am but so you know i am gonna go 
and maybe, maybe, okay, so Natalie said, I am offended. Mm -hmm. Tootie, how could you think that about me? And the thing, it could have been added. And then when she goes back to call, yeah, Tootie can say, I thought you said you didn't want to. Well, I want to now. Well, why did you not want to before? Yeah. And why do you want to now? And she's like, are you trying to make some sort of a statement to me? And they could have been a little more explicit in, yeah. and built up and built up more actual true tension and conflict before we went to commercial. That totally could have read and been fine. Yeah, but they also had to keep it a little vague because of what happens at the at the um the ending, like with their little heart to heart. Because yeah, yeah, I was I had problems. I had the problems with that 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 you and me both, my dear. I, yes. I yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the phone rings, and by the way, the phone does not ring in the store; it rings in the other room. So it's not an extension when it was before anyhow uh but it's michael ah. on the phone mrs garrett answers i believe and uh -huh. it's like uh, oh you, do you want to talk to one of the girls he's like no and mrs garrett's side of the conversation reveals that he wants to send natalie flowers because she has tonsillitis and is in the hospital and natalie overhears this and she's like what the shit so then she grabs the phone and she's like, what? No. What? I'm I'm fine. Oh, Tootie called you and told you. Tootie. That I, it's like, I don't know what Tootie thought that was going to buy her. Look at her. Just cock blocking. Just. <laughs> <laughs> cock blocking. Which is not the first time she's done that. She's yeah. done that before. <laughs> so, um, Natalie is so mad. I would be Natalie, too. Is so mad. She walks downstage left away from the person she's mad at so that she is a distance away with her back to them. Like <laughs> they always do on television. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. It ends up upstairs in the girl's bedroom. So finally, Natalie confronts Tootie and she says to her, why did you do that? Why did you call Michael and tell him that? And Tootie says, well, because you really don't want to go. You mm -hmm. only changed your mind to look liberal. And Natalie starts doing the awful white people thing. Well. Listing, listing her credits of non-racism incidents. <laughs> and there are more of them. Some of them are cut out of the rerun version that you saw, Trinell. Uh-huh. So what you did not hear was she says, my family was the first liberal family in our building. My father insisted on making our maid call him by his first name and come in through the front door. And her argument is, on a rainy day, my mom wouldn't even let me do that. And then she goes into, now this is in the episode you saw, yeah. her dad hired a black receptionist and he would actually host wine and cheese parties for black militant sculptors. I, I listened to it more than once. Yep. The words she says are black militant sculptors. I Is that a thing, Trinell? I guess. <laughs> I just in my head I was supposed so bad. It was just like very intense clay work. <laughs> Not just quote unquote normal black sculptors. These are militant sculptors. Yeah, they are super black, these yeah, guys. Yeah, they like really want like rights and stuff. 
I mean, yeah, Malcolm X yes. and, uh, yeah. you know, Dr. King and all that, like militant Just, black sculptors. Yeah. You wonder if it was supposed to be military, black military sculptors? No, I think they meant militant because they're liberals, so... Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just it was a poor choice of words when it meant to just be activists. The idea yes, of Yes, I think that's what it well, you know, protesters are all rioters and looters, so that kind yeah. of thing like <laughs> Yeah, but for I mean, honestly, I don't think that's a comfortable pairing of words for most uh, <laughs> white people is using the words black and militant in yeah. the same sentence that seems to me something that would be a little I mean, scarier to middle america they probably just had on a daishiki and they thought <laughs> <laughs> they're scary <laughs> they look like danny glover at the oscars <laughs> yes. and uh they were like oh oh wow oh they're militant <laughs> It's it's very strange. Last week we had this situation where Mrs. Garrett used the word arbitrary in a way that was literally the opposite. It was it was speaking in a very particular way in a particular situation, but she says I've never spoken before in an arbitrary manner and it's like that I I said it to I said it to Ginger Ginger Honey last hey. week. I said, you keep a use of that word. I don't think it means a what do you think it means. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> well done, Princess Bride reference. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. So uh, this is another one where I think the word black militant sculptors might have, they might have had a different, better word yeah. at their disposal. And and there were several. Let's say there were several yeah. words. Yeah. But um, Tootie comes back with, those are just gestures. Yeah. Those are things you did because they want to look good, not because they wanted to. So then we get to the heart to heart. This is where Natalie says, look, when I went out with him, I realized I like him. I like him very much. And I thought, huh, this could really lead to something. And then when he called me to actually spend the weekend together, I thought, oh, this could really lead to something. And then she comes clean to her credit. She says, I know this sounds weird, but the truth is, if I brought Michael home, my mother wouldn't exactly break out the macaroons. Yeah, so all this, Tootie was right, because gestures, like, you only Mm -hmm. accept it to a point, yeah. 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 But but it's good in the sense of her saying, it's not that I have a problem it's, uh, with him. It's this, I know that there's a lot more baggage that comes with getting into something like this. And and honestly saying, I don't know if I have the ability to handle all that. It did remind me of something because, you know, everybody who had didn't have a problem with it was worried about somebody who did have a problem with it. And it would be interesting, like... Did her mom really have a problem with it? Or was she worried with other people? And it just keeps on going. That's a cycle, yeah. And there's so much of it's not me. It's this thing. We're worried about the other people, how they I am viewed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... And and the macaroon reference, of course, Natalie is Jewish. Just pointing that out. Yes. Uh, That's a nice little touch there. Um, So then Tootie says, well, that's exactly why I did what I did. And Natalie's like, to make my mother happy. <laughs> and Tootie, God bless her. I have said this before. We had another episode. It was the illiterate episode where um, Tootie, for all intents and purposes, plays the black card. Mm-hmm. And because that's not what she does 
That's not the function she yeah. serves in the greater plot of the show as being the black character who always says the black lines. When they give Kim Fields things like this to say, it is so powerful. Yeah. And I, oh, this gave me chills. When she says, and I'm quoting verbatim now, why is it that whenever a white person dates a black person, everybody wonders how the white family feels? Never the black family. They figure, oh, they'll be thrilled about it. Exactly. And I really did like that line. I like that line. Because that, that is Ugh. so true. It is so true. We should be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm doing him the solid for, his, for him and his people yeah. by dating a black guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Tootie drops another bomb on us here. Trinell. Yeah. She says, when my aunt married a white guy, yeah. the family wasn't exactly jumping for joy. And when they got divorced, everybody was grateful that there weren't any children. Do you know to whom she is referring? Huh. Do you remember Cameron Francis telling you about the episode he did with me about the backdoor pilot sitcom oh! about the interracial couple? Oh my gosh, I forgot. <gasps> Brian and Sylvia. <gasps> Sylvia I is Tootie's aunt. Who married? And, and so basically what Tootie is telling us is, yeah, that backdoor pilot from the end of season two, Brian and Sylvia didn't make it. Oh my gosh. Okay, now... That's sad, but you know what? Tootie's little confession, it made me so angry because it made zero sense. Bingo. Thank you. It made zero sense because she was trying to get them together. She was so happy that her friend was going to see. And I think the reason why they did that, I think I found it cheap because I guess they just wanted to show, hey, everybody's racist like mm -hmm. look where and uh it made me so upset because you because i've been black all my life oh really oh that's usually interesting. yeah i will tell you from well this one particular black person uh perspective the reason why a black families might have a problem with interracial relationships a lot of times is the possible violence that might happen for the actual, it's like a fear. Cause you know, back mm -hmm. in the day, men were lynched and it was awful. And like, so yeah. I was just, I don't know. I was, I was so annoyed with Tootie. Like, because if she hadn't been so gung-ho about the relationship in the beginning or then I would, I would feel like her, her, her commentary would be justified, but it just didn't make any sense. At yeah. all. And I just think they wanted to make things kind of equal. See, everybody has problems like this. And I was like. Yeah, almost like it was intended to be a plot twist. Yes, yes. And it was ugh. like, but it's it's but it's no more than it's a stupid plot it's twist. So because stupid. the whole thing is like to call and cancel a weekend and say someone's not going to be there and there in the hospital. Did you think Natalie wasn't going to find out? It was. Did you think how, how did she how was she planning to physically keep Natalie in peak skill and not have her go to New York? And go to meet him. I mean, I, I don't know what her end game was there. Was... That was just, that was a stupid idea for her to do that. But yeah, the fact that she was on, you know, leaning on the staircase all, mm-hmm, you two are getting along well. And tell me more and chasing her up the stairs and all that stuff. It it could have easily been played with Tootie being casual about it. Yes. Tootie just being cool. Like, oh, good. I'm glad you and Michael are getting along. Oh, That's okay. great. Oh, you're going... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, subtlety is not a big thing on the fashion <laughs> so I don't know how that could have played, but it, yeah. it just made no sense, and it made me it made me kind of angry. I wish, yeah. you know what? I wish that um, Tootie's character would have gone the route of, you know, this isn't hard, easy for us either. This, you know, it, it, violence and there's certain ramifications when you are in it. You are the black person in an interracial relationship, and mm-hmm. she didn't go that route. She's like, "Well, we hate um, interracial relationships too for the same exact reason," and it's just yeah, yeah, and so true. It just made me mad, and it just and it didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, <But> more. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It's it, it yeah. This is a this is a super writing fail yeah. in in that Tootie was by her actions and her deeds and her speech Tootie was 100% on board on board and um and and oh and another and another uh it could have been a thing of um what was the name of the nerdy kid Harvey the subtlety could have been just like oh isn't that kind of weird is Harvey going to be kind of weirded out I, I thought you were kind of seeing him mm-hmm. you know isn't that weird and then Natalie could even pull up well you know, Michael and I are just friends. That's all. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, again, kind of dancing around is something there is something not there. And how do we feel about it? Yeah, but she was just that... so gung-ho. And they're like, mm. oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it made me mad. It made me mad. Yeah. And this doesn't need to necessarily be in the show. So feel free to refuse to answer or whatever. No. But uh, <laughs> damn it. Damn it. <laughs> shot myself in the foot. Um. But literally something just now occurred to me, Trinell, is that you are married to a white person. What? No, he's a, uh, he's Italian. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> but um yeah, so you're you're kind of you're kind of speaking a little bit from experience yeah, here. Invest- in terms of now how did your family feel about Well, okay, him? so I had dated a couple other white people before I got married, and I dated several black people. I just, you know, I like I likes men, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before I had my first white boyfriend, I asked my mom, and I was, or and my dad, well, did I ask my dad? I don't know. My dad was probably sitting on the couch watching Bonanza, not listening to me at all. But um, mm-hmm. I was in my 20s, in a, uh, late 20s, and I was like, Mom, how do you feel about if I dated someone white? And she goes, oh, honey, I don't care. Just as long as you don't, you know, start doing extreme sports, like parachuting. <laughs> she was, like, worried for my physical safety because she thought I was going to start taking, like, deep, oh. deep sea diving and bungee jumping. She's like, just don't do anything extreme sports. Oh, and, oh, <laughs> and anytime I think about that, I think, uh, I think of Stacy because I told her that story. So mm-hmm. sometimes... If I look back on my Facebook, she would just have posted on my wall, extreme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, we, we talk about Stacy regularly on the show. Yeah, our, so. our dear departed friend, Stacy. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. If you if you want to hear all about Stacy, look for the episode Breaking Point, uh-huh. uh, where Matthew and I talk a lot about the devastation of losing her yeah. and all that. But that is such a fucking Stacy thing to do. Extreme. To just... <laughs> and like but when, the fact that Go ahead. When, when my son start taking <laughs> skateboard lessons, she wouldn't let me hear the end of it. Extreme. Oh, really? Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. So my but parents, that's... yeah. 
your parents were like, it's okay if you if you did a white boy, just please don't don't culturally start doing white well, things. Well, don't, don't, don't look my dad into that madness. My dad did not say that. That was all Cookie Moore. <laughs> that yeah. was all Cookie. <laughs> that was your mom. That was my, and like in my family, there's a, um, I'm trying to think. Like my cousin married a white guy. I think there's no, like, because my mom had 11 brothers and sisters. So I have a thousand, co- I have a lot of cousins and the ages Ooh. run the gamut. So there's like those, a couple of those cousins are in like the first half. Like, I don't mm-hmm. really know because they were so much older than me. But, yeah. And, um, yeah. And so it wasn't really a thing. It wasn't really not a, for, At least from, not for my parents. Deal. It was like, mm. oh, and my dad's, yeah. oh, duh. I have an Aunt Wendy. Uh, my dad's brother <laughs> married a uh-huh. white lady. So, yeah. It was like, yeah, she's just a white lady. Okay. Yeah. And, well, that's cool. That's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. That that hasn't been a thing. And your son... Isaiah. Yes. My God. <laughs> the entertainment value of all of the posts on your Facebook of what a funny kid yeah. he is and how precociously intelligent yeah. and funny he was as a toddler. Yeah. He gets Those that from stories. the black side. That's from the black side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by the way, Andrew, awesome and hot. <laughs> Your hubby is easy on the eyes. I will say no more. (laughs) So moving on from there, we really have very little else other than the the two of them have this moment of, like you said, the artificial moment of, gee, I guess we both have a lot to learn about being racist. (sighs) Yeah. And then they reaffirm their friendship. And... uh, it is nice. Yeah, yeah. Where Tootie says, I don't think my best friend is white. My best friend is Natalie. Yeah. And, um... I mean, that's not as... So then, that's not a whole, I don't see color thing. So I didn't I didn't mind that so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And it's it's okay if you can see color. But if it's not the first thing on the list... Yeah. That's not bad. It's not bad. You know, to say, Turnell is my awesome friend versus Turnell's my black friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that, too. Uh... As long as you tell me it's okay that I am. Today it uh, is. Today it is. We'll see how I feel about tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to be on the list. I don't want to be on the list. Well, at this point, you, just, you have to figure out how to get off the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, and then the just the last thing is just Natalie just says, Tootie, you really are my bestest, bestest friend. And then they hug and that's it. And my last note that I have. So what is the line that has been crossed or was being cr- I really think, similar to the wrong word thing, yeah. it's like one of those idiomatic phrases where something's happening. Yeah, I think I think it was just poorly chosen words. Like, basically, the line is the black people stay on this side, the white people stay on that side, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't a great title. It wasn't great. It wasn't. It wasn't no. necessarily a great show. So. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, the the good thing is that it dealt with it at all yeah yeah we we have really never really dealt with the dynamic of Tootie and natalie being best friends and and them being racially different yeah yeah so yeah that's true like like shows like the jeffersons that was about a black family moving on up so that was this black person this black family story this Tootie just happened to be a little black girl in this situation. So, you know, yeah. I, even though it was um, 
it has some trash like elements and didn't make any damn sense and poor Harvey. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm very happy that you do you know tackle some of these issues. Yes. I wa- I was kind of bummed because I kind of wanted to see Natalie's dress that she bought. That's right. She said she bought a new dress to go for the weekend with Michael. And more than that, we never hear about Michael again. Nope. I would have loved it if this had been for how much they were trying to break new ground with that awful Brian and Sylvia sitcom mm-hmm. with the interracial couple it being a show about it. Uh, why couldn't they have said... Why don't we have Natalie date Michael for a while? Why don't we make that a thing? Or um, the following season, if Michael decides to go to Langley, he would be in town. They could have they could have totally made that a thing. Uh, well, but, they weren't going to do that. They weren't going to. Yeah. Even though they was going to touch on the subject, they were not have actually made that a show because they would be worried about sponsors. <laughs> for real. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. But that's terrible. But it's right yeah. too. You're probably right. Well, I am. I agree with you that this was not that great an episode. Mm-hmm. I think the idea was way better than the execution. But I am so glad it happened yeah. because it gave me a reason to have you back here with me on my show. Yay! I'm here for all things black. <laughs> Yay! So at the end, um, I know we've done this in the past, but I still want to do this. Uh, Name a commercial or a jingle or something from your youth that just pops to the front of your brain when I say, tell me a commercial. Go. Uh, Oh, gosh. The Just For Me commercial. Just For Me. Yes. Elucidate me. Okay. So I think I thought of this because of the whole black issue. Um, You know how a lot of black women straighten their hair because, you know, you know, mm-hmm. European standard of beauty, blah blah blah, or you know, aesthetics, whatever. We know where it's co- we know we we know where the, the, it comes from. Anyway, there was yeah. us uh, this brown of relaxer called Just for Me, and it was for just for kids, like because like it's uh, a less harsh. So it was called Just for Me, and oh. and there was a jingle called Just for Me. <laughs> 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 just for me and these little black girls is happy that they have their silky straight hair so that was what oh was, my God. that's what popped and in my so head. so it was a product that specifically targeted young girls yeah. to straighten their hair yeah because oh my God. the other one was so so like it's harsh and you know people would get it, yeah like burns i never got burnt but you know, it could just like my cousins would get like burnt on the I'm just showing the viewers and this, this is a podcast the back of yeah. their, <laughs> the back of their neck would like be burnt with like a scalp a scab Oof. because you know they just kept it in too long and yeah the the Chris Rock documentary good hair yeah is fascinating that's again that was another great educational thing for for white people I recommend anybody to watch it but yeah the term they used I believe was the creamy crack okay, I got off the creamy crack Gotta get the, uh, yep. the creamy crack. I gotta find it. I'll post it on the website. <sighs> and once again, in the words of William Shakespeare, going away is so sad. <laughs> I have to say goodbye to you again. God, I hope we're able to be in the same room again sometime soon. I know. This is, I mean, I love not going anywhere, but I just miss people. I do miss people. It would be nice. I'd love to be on a stage yeah. playing with some people. I'd love to be performing with some other actors. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a very welcome thing right now. Yeah. 
But until then, thank you so much again, darling. Smooches and goodbye. Thank you so much, David. Until next time. And there you have it. That was Trinell Mooring, back for more love when she's on the show. This was her third time, and I hope I have her back at least three times more. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 5, Episode 16, called All or Nothing. And my guest is going to be funny actress, amazing lady, writer, comedian, Lynn Ryder. Cannot wait for you to hear the show. She and I have a lot of fun. You can watch the episode for free at dailymotion.com. I'll post a link to the show in the show notes, and you can also find it on this episode's webpage. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle FaceTheFactsPod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash FaceTheFactsPod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>